0: Good morning. It's great to be together on this uh, lovely morning, and Sunday is always special. It's God's day. Every day belongs to the Lord when you belong to Him, but Sunday's always special to us, isn't it? Um, I'm going to read from the Scriptures to you from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 10. It's a fairly short reading. It's from verse 38, a well-known story of Martha and Mary. Luke 10, verse 38. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. Martha, the Lord answered, You are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. I want to talk about opportunities this morning uh, with this story. Um, there are two words in the Greek language for time. You probably know that well by now if you've been in churches a while. Um, one is the word chronos, which from which we get our word chronology, uh, sequential time, moment after moment after moment. The other is kairos, which means more a specific time, an appropriate time, and is often translated as an opportune time. So, for instance, in Ephesians 5, verse 15 to 16, we read in the NIV, be careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity. I came across this the other day. Someone has uh, looked into that word opportunity. Opportunity. And they said, if you notice, at the center of it is the word port, or port And uh, they said the, the word originates from the days of sailing ships, because they were dependent on tide and wind, not like ships today. So when they came to a harbor they would often have to anchor outside the harbour and wait until the wind or the tide was just right. Then they could hoist their sails and enter into the port. Hence the word opportunity. And they say that's where it comes from. Now life is full of opportunities. And sometimes God gives us special opportunities opportunities that turn out to be very important indeed. When I was 18 years old, we had an evangelist come to our church in Norwich, it was the Elam Church in Norwich, to do a week's mission. His name was Tony Stone. He later went on to work with Christ for All Nations. And he set out a rather large bookstall at the back of the church, And he he came to me and he said, David, would you man my bookstall for the week for me? Um, So I said, yes, I'll happily do that. Well, at the end of the week, he gave me a little small book called True Discipleship by William MacDonald. I still have that book today. And he kindly wrote this in the flyleaf. May this book challenge you as it did me. I want to tell you that little book played a key part in taking me into true discipleship and preparing me for God's call to ministry. And looking back, I am so glad that I said yes, took that opportunity to help him on a simple thing like the bookstall. God used it in a, a key way in my life. Now with those thoughts about opportunity in mind, let's look at the incident of Martha and Mary. Luke is the only gospel that records this and there's probably some reasons for that, but I haven't got time to go into them this morning. Let's start by looking at Martha. It says, Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister's left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Now most people like to be at their best when they have visitors coming to their home, don't they? We went to stay for a couple of days with um, a couple a while back, quite a while back, And I discovered that the day before we went, they paid for a professional cleaner to go in and go right through the house, cleaning and tidying and polishing. They needn't have worried. I mean, we like a nice, clean house as much as anyone, but we're not over-fussy about that thing. We wouldn't have been going along the windowsills like this, (laughs) you know, all that. It was unnecessary. But it just illustrates how we <clears throat> worry about just being at our best if someone important is coming. Years ago, when our children, we had four daughters. When they were small, we had uh, two older and two younger. And in the mornings, to help Jean, with, because she had really young children, the, the two younger, I would take the two older ones to school in the morning. And one morning, I thought I'd play a real trick on Jean. Our general superintendent of all Elam churches at that time was Tom Walker. And uh, when I opened the door into the hall, coming back from the school run, knowing that the living room would have clothes strewn all over it would be totally a mess, I said at the top of my voice, ''Come in, Pastor Walker, how nice for you to visit!'' Knowing the panic that would put into Jeannie, that wasn't very nice of me, was it? But uh, imagine having Jean uh, Jesus. imagine having Jesus as your house guest, and not only Jesus, but 12 disciples as well. To Martha, that meant that everything had to be at its best. the house ready, a massive meal to prepare. You couldn't send out for takeaway in those days. Um, Dyke, writing about this, says Martha's tend to be task-oriented and they usually make lists of things they need to do each day. Martha's are hard workers and they believe a place for everything and everything in its place. He goes on to say, If you are a Martha, good for you. The church would never accomplish much if you didn't deliver meals or work with the children or serve in a hundred different ways. So sadly, someone has estimated, you've heard it before, I'm sure, that 20% of church folk do 80% of the work. The New Testament has a lot to say about service. Romans 12 lists all kinds of ways we can serve. And Ephesians 4 has some to say about it too. It's interesting if you read the account of the healing of Peter's mother uh, in law, that it says that immediately she was healed, she got up and served them. She had a heart for service. So I just want to make it clear that what I'm about to say in no way diminishes the importance of service. We all need to serve. But if we let our service blind us to other important things, we're in danger of missing key opportunities. Martha was busy about many things and she was missing an amazing opportunity. Jesus was there, in the next room, sharing the living word of God with those who were listening. And Martha was missing out. Martha would prepare many meals in the future, but her opportunity to sit at the feet of Jesus and listen to him would be few, at least in person. Let me make just a couple of points about Martha and then we'll get on to Mary. I want to say this: working for Jesus is no substitute for being with Jesus. I was friendly with a friendly with pastor and his wife. His name was Vic. I won't say any more, as I don't want to disclose their identity. And uh, he was a people person. He loved visiting. And even after an evening service, if it finished at nine o'clock, he'd then go and do a visit and get home about 11. He was out all the time visiting. And one day his wife said, told me, she said, I said to him, Vic, I've got three people who'd like to be added to your visiting list. Eagerly he answered, great, who are they? She said, your wife and two children sometimes we get so wrapped up in working for Jesus, we can forget other important things. I did that once. Jean and I had been married six or seven years when we went to Porth in the Ronda Valley, and uh, some of the deacons in the church were keen game fishermen. They would spend every spare evening and every spare Saturday up in the Brecon beacons on the lakes fishing for trout. And being formerly a keen fisherman, I was soon part of the group. Every night off I had, they'd call for me. Every Saturday, they'd call for me. We'd leave about six or seven in the morning to catch the morning rise and stay late to catch the evening rise. One Saturday after I'd had quite an intensive period of this with the deacons, I got home after midnight that Saturday night, and the door was locked. And on in the porch was a carrier bag. And I was puzzled, so I opened the carrier bag, and inside it were my pyjamas. <laughs> and I thought then, I haven't married any docile pet. <laughs> <laughs> but really, it was Jean's way of saying, please, David, spend some time with me and the children. Can I ask you this, does Jesus feel like that sometimes? Second thing I want to say about Martha, working for Jesus without spending time with Jesus robs us of its fulfillment. Instead of joyously doing the ministry and the work that she had to do, she became frustrated, stressed, and angry. She was mad at her sister Mary for not pulling her weight. Finally, she bursts into the room where Jesus is teaching, interrupts him, and demands he send Mary to the kitchen. Ray Steadman wrote a little poem about Martha. It goes like this There's a gladness to her gladness when she's glad, there's a sadness to her sadness when she's sad. But the gladness of a gladness and the sadness of a sadness is nothing like her madness when she's mad. The word Jesus used, you are upset, I looked it up in the Greek and it literally means visibly shaken with anger, stressed out of yourself. We used to sing a chorus. In fact, I think the whole hymn was on the theme years ago. There is joy in serving God jesus and there is there really is but we must realize that our joy in serving jesus comes from jesus our service must flow out of love for him and out of time with him now we don't know how martha responded to the gentle rebuke of jesus but some think that, and they have a reason for it, which I'll tell you about now, some think she became a highly respected, fruitful person in the New Testament church. Bishop alicott in his commentary says that la- the name Martha does not appear in the Old Testament and is Ar- Aramaic rather than Hebrew. In Aramaic, it is equivalent to the Greek Korea. He suggests that Martha could be the identity of the elect a lady that St. John addresses in his second epistle in verse 1 and 5, where he talks about the elect lady. And the word for lady there is Kyria. Uh, another commentary says the Greek for lady is Kyria, and the word seems to be a proper name, both here and in 2 John 1, 5. It is not being used as a title, as it was then not usual, to apply the title lady to any but the Roman empress. Now, we can't be sure about that. We're not certain. But if that is so, Martha became a very fruitful key person in the New Testament church. She must have taken on board what Jesus said to become that, if indeed she did. We all need to sort our priorities out. We need to take the opportunity to spend time with Jesus. It was a French mathematician, physicist and Christian philosopher, Blaise Pascal, who said in his book, Pensee, there is a God-shaped vacuum in the heart of every person. And it can never be filled by any created thing. It can only be filled by God made known through Jesus Christ. It seems to me that this is the essence of the gospel. It is Emmanuel, God with us, God in Christ reconciling the world to himself. The message of God gospel is that Christ came into the world in order to come into our lives to make us the temple of the Holy Spirit it is Christ in you the hope of glory that's what the gospel is that's why it defeats agnosticism and deism it is Christ in our lives now if all of that is true and I believe it is we're called to have lives filled and led and empowered by God every day. Paul said in Galatians 2:20, "It's no longer I that live, but Christ who lives in me." If that is how it's supposed to be, why is it that we spend so little time with the Lord each day and so little time in prayer? One commentator wrote, If your Christianity starts when you set out for church and ends when you set out for home and never enters your home and family life, well then, it's just a religion only. Martha had the opportunity to sit at the feet of Jesus. One commentary says, Just think about it for a moment. Here is the creator of the universe sitting in Martha's home, and she's more concerned about doing housework than hearing what he has to say. Can you imagine what Martha missed out on? How many of us would love to have sat at Jesus' feet and have heard him teach in person? Martha had the opportunity, but she was too busy. Psalm 46 verse 10 says, Be still and know that I am God. Just a few minutes on Mary. She had a sister, it says, called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. Now, it was customary for disciples to sit at the feet of their rabbi, their their teacher, It was in this way that they learned and became teachers themselves. But it was not usual for women to be seated there. One writer who's knowledgeable about the customs of the time says this, There is something very odd taking place here. A woman is sitting at the feet of Jesus, the place reserved for disciples. Women in the first century world were not permitted to be any kind of teachers. And Jews coming in and finding a woman sitting at the feet of Jesus would be quite indignant. That is likely one reason that Martha becomes so upset with her sister. Not only does Martha need help in the kitchen, but her sister is doing something only men could do. Yet Jesus said, Mary has chosen the good part. Mary's chosen the good part. Jesus directs Martha away from the natural to the spiritual needs. Matthew 4 verse 4 says, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Matthew 7:24 Therefore everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice like a wise man who built his house on the rock. Food is bodybuilding. She was preparing meals, and that was needed. But his word is life building. Also there's a striking similarity between the words spoken here to Martha and those addressed to the rich young ruler who came to jesus jesus said you still lack one thing martha he said has chosen the good thing he said to him you still lack one thing we focus on his selling his riches and giving them to the poor but actually the positive part of what jesus said was come follow me just one other thing about mary It says, Jesus said, Mary has chosen the good part. Mary made a choice to sit at the feet of Jesus. She was not expected to be there, as I've said. That was the place for men. There were other demands made upon her, so much to do she should have been doing, perhaps. But Mary chose to take this wonderful opportunity to sit at the feet of Jesus. What we do with our time for at least part of the day is our choice. You can spend it watching hours of TV or meeting the other many other demands that can so easily be made upon us, or we can take some of it and sit at the feet of Jesus. I remember some years ago, we, Jane and I, we live in Bath, so we come over the Mendips to Wells, and we woke up one winter's morning and there was snow everywhere roads were packed with snow and ice but we looked at it and I said oh let's go to church anyway it was okay until we got high over the mendips and we almost turned back but we persevered and when we walked into the church the pastor said i knew you would come <laughs> no pressure <laughs> i wonder if jesus feels like that when we get along with him i knew you would come or is he disappointed can i just conclude with this i think i've got a few minutes mary realized the importance of the words of jesus his teaching his message we too must give that first place in our lives I know our pastors here will agree with me when I say the Elam churches were founded on the preaching of the gospel of Jesus Christ and that in our churches, the word of God is central to all that we do. Now, there's many things we can and should do to help others showing the compassion of Christ and we are pretty full on with it here, as you know. But if we neglect proclaiming the gospel and teaching the word of God, we will not have chosen the good part. The car manufacturers, Mercedes, were the first to invent a car body that absorbed the force of a collision. One of their first commercials was showing one of their test cars driving into a brick wall. But of course, other, thankfully, lots of other car manufacturers copied the design. And someone once asked a Mercedes spokesman, why didn't you enforce the patent you had on that car body design? And he replied, because some things in life are too important not to share. The gospel of Jesus is too important not to share. Our mandate is to take his word and go into all the world and proclaim the gospel and make disciples of all nations. But just so that you feel that's not too big a challenge, remember Jesus said to the disciples, start where you are. Begin at Jerusalem. I don't want to embarrass Esther, but um, when Esther left school, she went to college. And she met a young girl who also at college named Tina. After a few weeks, they became close friends, and she invited Tina to church. After a couple of weeks, Tina gave her life to Christ. A few weeks after that, her mother started coming and she gave her life to Christ. A couple of weeks after that, her father came, and he gave his life to Christ, and soon the whole family belonged to Christ and were working hard in the church. Esther just began where she was. When I came to Bath in 1982 for an interview, the church session said they wanted a pastor with good evangelistic credentials Now, I was able to satisfy them on that, because I've always been evangelistic in my ministry. But I was quick to tell them that Jesus used the analogy of sheep. And if you take that analogy, it's the sheep that produce the lambs, not the shepherd. You can't just leave it to your pastors to do all the evangelizing. It's our job. All of us are called to take the word of God and share it with others. Mary chose the good part. She loved his word. She took time with Jesus. She took that word. We need to do the same.